So, God willing, today we'll continue speaking about some of the characteristics of paradise that we should expect. Uh, one of the, I think one, this is one of the bigger things that people wonder about and question and maybe um, something that's very foreign to us is the, I- is the idea that there's no sense of time um, or boredom. You know, one of the things that maybe come to our mind and actually one of the things that children ask a lot when it comes to heaven, when, we, when they ask you, we're going to be in heaven and we're going to be praising God and praying they think maybe that, okay, it's like I'm going to come to church and I'm going to be here forever, um, which isn't necessarily the best idea that that's in their thinking in their mind is that they're going to just be doing that forever with nothing else. Uh, and, and so the, the, there's this question of what is it, how is it we're going to be spending our time and how is it, th- what is it that we're going to feel? And so one thing I, I, I do want to say is that if, if God is the ultimate good, Okay, if God is the ultimate good and he is pure love and he is nothing but good for us, then our desire should be to be with him forever. Like think about all the things we like to do. You know, like let's say, okay, we're bored. We want to do something. What is it that we want to do? We want to do something that makes us happy. We want to do something enjoyable. But God is the ultimate joy. The thing that makes us uh, incapable of realizing or experiencing that joy is not because there's a deficiency in God, but because there's a deficiency in us, right? Our deficiency is what prevents us from seeing God as the ultimate joy in the sense that we want to do nothing but be with him forever. Because if God is the best thing in every possible way, then our desire should be to be with him without end, right? So in paradise, in heaven, okay, what changes is us. We are the ones who change. That the corruption in us that prevents us from being in the presence of God with that ultimate joy is removed. So we can now fully see and and, and realize and experience the joy that God wants us to have in Him that maybe in our life we get glimpses of. You know, maybe in our life we see little glimpses, maybe certain times, maybe during certain prayers, maybe just certain times like the grace of God touches us in a way where we feel a sense of like like the depth of the love of God, but it's fleeting. It's like a momentary that we see it and then it, it, and then we get distracted, we get bored, something changes, like our mind is like focused on something else and, and it doesn't sustain and it's not stable. But in heaven, there is eternal stability. There is eternal steadfastness and consistency in that moment of the feeling and the realization of the presence and love of God always. So in that sense, we will never experience boredom because there is nothing that we would prefer when we, when we are able to experience the fullness of, of what God offers. There is nothing that can compare with it, so there is nothing else that we want. So it's not that you know, we're just going to come as we are and stand before God and, you know, God is going to tell us you have to pray for a million hours. You, you know, that's not, you know, when we th- when we think of it in that sense, like we're going to get tired. We're, we're going to be distracted. We're, we're not going to be able to continue. We're going to want to do other things. But in that moment, right, we will not. We will not want to do other things. We will want to be in the presence of God. And many of the stories that we've read and will continue to read illustrate how the people who experience God in paradise never want to leave. They, they, they never want to leave. And even those who didn't want to die and were worried about leaving things behind or people behind, that just tasting for just a brief moment the vision of, of being in, in heaven with, with Christ 
makes them never want to come back again. So it says something about what is there that is beyond understanding and beyond maybe an anything, for sure, beyond anything that we've ever experienced to where when we say that being there is so good that we were not going to experience boredom, we have to believe it. It really is. Maybe we've never experienced that in life here, but we will experience it there. And there's no sense of time anyway. There's no sense of, of, of a sequence of time. And this is also difficult for us to understand. It's difficult for us because everything that we do is in time. Everything that we do is one thing after the other after the other, and we have a sense of time in everything. Whereas there, there is no, there is no sense of time. So a question people often ponder is whether they can withstand being in paradise for an extensive amount of time, regarding it as a place where they will surely suffer tremendous boredom. All you do is praise God, won't it get boring? Those are the concerns that people often express. They probably think of standing in church or alone praying and how quickly they become restless, looking forward to something other than prayer for entertainment. We spend our lives on earth seeking ways to make ourselves happy, engrossed in a never-ending search for fulfillment. So this is, this is what we said. In paradise, however, as appears from the experiences provided, as expressed in scripture, we no longer need to look for joy. It is something freely given to us in abundance. Okay. Um, Father Bishol and Tony, we've said some of his stories. He also says this, this story. So he prefaces this story by saying what? I've been with many people during the time of their death, and I could not believe it myself. So he's going to recount the story of a, of a woman who um, was coming to the time of her death, and she did not want to die, and she didn't want to leave behind her daughter who would be alone without her, and she, she, didn't, she didn't want to... Or, or she was married as well, but she, she didn't want to leave her daughter. And so uh, Father Bishoil and Tony, he is there with her at the time of death, and he experiences um, this transition that happens in her. We'll, we'll see that. At 27 years old, that woman was suffering from cancer. She had a daughter who was about five years old named Mariam, whom she loved very much. The woman knew an, an untimely death was likely, and so she felt deep sorrow at the thought of leaving her daughter behind. This was a continual source of grief and anguish which she persistently expressed for years. Although she was undergoing chemotherapy treatment, those who loved her felt a miracle might be the only cure. Father Beshoy accompanied her to many monasteries to ask for the prayers of the saints, but it was not God's will to heal her. Eventually she was faced with the moment she dreaded, the moment of death. She was lying on a hospital bed about to die, which was a predicament her husband could not bear to watch or to be present for, so he took their young daughter and left. Until her last conscious breath, she kept pleading with desperate tears, Father, I do not want to die, please. I want to take care of my daughter. I love her so much, please, Father. She refused to accept death. So this is a, a characteristic of all of us, uh, maybe who, um, you know, all that we know is this life, and, 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 you know, there are things we are definitely attached to in this life, whether it be people or other things. And the idea of being separated from those things causes us great pain um, and maybe great fear as well. One of the reasons that death is a frightening thing and a painful thing is because we think of all the things that we will leave behind when, when this moment comes. But what's not in the mind of this woman and maybe what's not in our mind, maybe, maybe it's in our mind but maybe we can't fully comprehend it, is what will be what will replace this attachment that like it's not that god is taking away something it's that god is actually giving us something much greater something beyond comprehension beyond our understanding something we've never experienced before and that that thing he gives us is so wonderful that it grants consolation that even the things we cared about the most in the in this life 
suddenly don't seem as necessary or as important as they did before. Father Bishoy and some servants of the church stood by her side as she lay there in a coma. A physician informed them that her death was just a few minutes away. All present in the room kept praying for her. What happened is next, Father Bishoy says, I can never forget. All of a sudden, as her eyes remained closed, she grasped Father Bishoy's hand and squeezed it tightly as she shrieked in terror. Stop them. Help me. I want to, they want to take me. They are so close. I do not want to go with them. They have terrible faces. They look like they are wearing black and red. They are trying to take my soul. She is referring to the same experiences that we have discussed before about the temptation that happens from the devils um, at the time of death after death. Um, she kept repeating such things and caused a frenzy in the hospital. Father Bishoy himself was flustered as he tried to figure out how he could help her. Immediately, he told the servants around him, pray, pray, just read the Psalms, read the Psalms. As Father Bishoy recounts the story, he says, we kept praying, all of us, and her scream is still in my ear. After a few minutes and a great deal of wholehearted prayer, she finally became very calm. Then she began to speak again with the utmost serenity as she smiled and described what she was seeing and experiencing. Thank God they have left and angels have come to take my spirit. She described the appearance of the angels. She saw and then said, I will go with them. Look at what they are showing me. Wow, they showed me Christ. There he is. He is far away, but I see him very well. She continued to describe features of paradise. Then she went into what happened to what appeared to be a coma for 10 minutes. Afterwards, something very strange happened. Unexpectedly, she sat up and opened her eyes. Father Bishoy remembers her blue eyes, a feature uncommon for an Egyptian. She had the most pleasant smile on her face and told those present, Why am I so worried about Mariam? That's her daughter. I'm sure God is going to take care of her. Jesus will take care of her. I went to heaven. I have seen everything, and I want to go there. I want to stay there. It is fantastic, Father. You cannot imagine how lovely it is. If you saw it, you would insist on coming with me. At that, Father Bishoy responded, I wish. He asked her to tell him about heaven, but she answered, no. You pray for me. Give me absolution. Afterward, she departed in peace. This situation where, you know, maybe there is no other stronger attachment in the world than a mother with her daughter, um, and clearly... Um, the mother, she was extremely um, uh, distraught at the idea of leaving her daughter behind. And yet what she saw, even though she could not describe it in a way that we would understand, made her actually want to leave her daughter. Like that is the extent of how powerful what she saw was, that she was willing to leave her daughter behind, not to abandon her daughter, but she knew that her daughter would eventually be reunited with her again. But what she saw was so wonderful that the the fears that she had about leaving her daughter behind she was able to accept this as the will of god and to go and to be there in that place and to feel genuine joy even though she was not with her daughter there that 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 is how beautiful and wonderful that place was ingrained within the idea of boredom that time is passing while you are not occupied with a sufficiently interesting activity. All right, this is what boredom is. We, we're spending time, but we don't enjoy what it is that we're doing. But we can see the utter happiness that one feels in paradise. What about the concept of time? As explained before, once a person enters the crossover realm, the concept of time seems to disappear, and you enter an existence that is not bound by it. 
As in Hades, likewise in paradise, it seems that time does not exist, and thus the feeling that time is passing so slowly that you get bored would not be an issue. We don't feel the passage of time. It is like we just experience what is happening without that sense of, of time passing or boredom associated with that. We know that time was created by God for the visible world. Pope Alexander, he says, it is established that both time and all space were made by him. Also, St. Justin Martyr, he says, time was created for the creation of time had received its original constitution from days and months and years. Also, St. Augustine, he says, you are the author and creator of all ages. You have made all time, and before all times you are, you made time itself. So even though we experience the passage of time as a normal thing, um, and yet in heaven there is no time. It appears that the invisible realms continue to exist outside the laws of time. St. Hippolytus, he says that after death there is neither sleep, nor pain, nor corruption, nor worry. There is also no night, nor day, measured by time. When we die and join God, we will become partakers of the divine nature, meaning we will be like God. We are, we are going to be transformed to be like God in, in many, many different ways. Metropolitan Callistos says that in the afterlife experiences, we are no longer subject to the categories of time and space in the form at present known to us and which it is thus impossible to describe directly. So, so as we are becoming more like God and having the characteristics of God, just as God, who is spirit, is above time, so also we are, are above time. We are not limited to time. We are not experiencing the passage of time the way that we do now on earth. Mother Irini, she uh, shares another story that kind of illustrates this point. It says, after her father confessor, Bishop Macarius, departed, Mother Irini wept fervently over her loss. She used to pray, Lord, you have too many saints in heaven. We wish you would have kept Bishop Macarius here on earth because in him we saw a manifestation of your image, love, and holy life. One day, Mother Irini became sick with a fever which required her to take an antibiotic every six hours. Despite all her pain, she stood up to pray and then suddenly found herself in a beautiful place that was exceedingly vast, peaceful, and full of joy, paradise. The entire locale was illuminated with a heavenly light that instilled in the soul a yearning for praise and thanksgiving for the Lord Christ. And then came Bishop Macarius, arrayed in a beautiful heavenly robe, wearing a cross full of what appeared to be diamonds, walking slowly and completely, engulfed in praises to God. As he drew near to Mother Irini, he explained that the Lord allowed her to see him in order to console her. Then suddenly she found herself standing in the very same place in her cell, where she had been praying. So he saw, she saw him in paradise as a consolation because she was so sad at him having departed. During this spiritual experience, the nun assigned to look after Mother Irini came to her cell at 10 a.m. to administer her medication, but she was nowhere to be found. The nun searched everywhere for her, but to no avail. So she decided to bring a chair and plop herself down in front of the door of Mother Irini's cell to see from where she would be coming. It was not until six hours later at 4 p.m. that the nun finally found Mother Irini in her cell again. Where were you, Mother? I looked everywhere for you. In her humility, Mother Irini was not at first forthcoming about her whereabouts. However, after much persistence, she finally divulged the experience to her pupil. Although she had been gone for at least six hours, Mother Irini told her, I felt I was away for only ten minutes. So the experience that she had 
and the passage of time that she felt was different than what we feel here on earth. We see then the idea that time ceases to exist. But well, what will we be doing? Like what actually, how will we be passing our, our quote-unquote time there? While it is regularly understood that in the heavenly abode people will be praising God, many today echo sentiments found among some early fathers that people may also experience other sorts of spiritual advancement and growth and knowledge in the afterlife. St. Irenaeus says the righteous ones receive the kingdom forever and they make constant investment in it. So it means that our, our role there is not simply to stand and pray constantly, and that's all that we do. We have experiences. We meet people. We have roles and, and jobs and service that we fulfill. We, um, we advance in some way. Maybe we are advancing in knowledge. Maybe we're growing closer to God. I, I don't know. But the idea that life there is not a static one. It's not one where we just remain as we are, but there is some sense of growth and advancement in it. Bishop Ioannis, I believe this is written in the book that he wrote called Heaven. He also wrote a book about the afterlife that's called Heaven, if you're interested to read it. He said this, he said, I wish to add one more thing. When man was on earth, uh, the created things gave him the desire and means to know God. Thus, St. Paul says, for since the creation of the world, his visible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So he's saying that the things we observe in the world, in the universe, point us to God because of their, their, their glory, because of their complexity, because of the existence of things that could not otherwise exist on their own. Those things point us to the existence of God who created them. We know God through the visible creation. In other words, we come to know God through what we see in creation. But the situation is reversed in heaven. For God will become the means by which we will know everything. It will be through him that we know everything. He will be like a big telescope through which we can see and in whom we can see all the minute details. So in heaven, it's different. In heaven, we don't discover God through the creation, but we discover the creation through God. Because in heaven, the thing that is the most present is God himself. And we don't need to try to discover God through some means by observing his creation. But instead, God reveals to us his creation. He reveals to us hidden and secrets. He reveals to us how he has made things. He reveals to us his wisdom. He reveals to us things that today we simply do not know and do not um, understand. Likewise, some early Christians believe that the righteous will increase increasingly ascertain knowledge about the universe as revealed by God. This is how Origen, the scholar, he imagined it would be. He said what? I think it will be, so to speak, a classroom or school of souls in which they are to be instructed regarding all the things that they had seen on earth. I think they will also receive some information respecting things that are to follow in the future. When, then, the saints will have reached the celestial abodes, God will show to them, as to children, the cause of things and the power of his creation. He will explain why the star was placed in that particular quarter of the creation. He will explain why that star was placed in that, sorry, uh, and why it was separated from another by so great an interval of space. And then when they have finished all those matters, they are, con they are connected with the stars and with the heavenly revolutions. They will come to those that are not seen and to those of whom we only heard their names. One thing that comes to my mind, and this is, this is an opinion, um, is what is it that God has revealed to us? 
he has revealed to us what we need to know now. And if we s observe anything about the character of God, is that he doesn't tell us more than what we need to know in the present. Right? God does not share with us all of his thoughts, all of his plans, everything that is to come, whether it be for humanity or to be even in my own life personally. And we see this um, many, many times in the scripture where he tells people to take one step of faith. And then if they are obedient and follow, then he tells them to take the next step of faith and so on and so on and so on. God is typically not revealing to us the whole story and the whole picture all at once. Oftentimes, if he were to do that, maybe we wouldn't understand it or maybe it would cause us to be confused or for some reason God does not see it as beneficial to us and he wants us to act in faith so he doesn't reveal. So what is it that God has revealed? God has revealed to us what we should do now. He revealed to us about our life. He revealed, he revealed to us about our origin. He revealed to us about um, uh, sin and temptation and salvation. He, re he revealed to us the role of the church. He revealed to us that we should be living in a repentant way. And he revealed to us that after we die, there is the two options, either paradise or Hades. And, and how, how we can secure our place in paradise. If you read in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, you begin to read about the things in heaven. right? The things that we should expect in heaven. And for those who read it, they realize how confusing it is how difficult it is for us to understand and comprehend because we cannot make analogy to any of the things there to something we have seen, right? It's so difficult for us to understand. So imagine that just as we have had an entire life with, un with growing, with understanding, with changing, with, with you know, everything about us, each of us is different and we have different personalities and we have different talents and um, all throughout the history of humanity, that all the history that has come up until this point. Imagine that in heaven, it is life. It is a life. We have jobs, and we have things to do, and things are happening, and there's a future that, that maybe we are growing into it, and there is something that is changing. We don't know, and I'm not trying to say that I know. All I'm saying is that God has not revealed. Just, the fa just because God has not revealed the details of that life doesn't mean that it's a static life, that it's a life without change, that it's a life that just, you know, this is it. Maybe, maybe there's a whole set of, you know, history. You know, if you if think about, like, um, even before the creation of the earth, the creation of the angels, okay, there's things that have happened. You know, there was, God created the angels. The angels were serving God. Lucifer decided that he was going to rebel against God, and he made a war against God, and then he was cast out of heaven. All of these are events. These are events and actions and things that have happened in heaven. Heaven is not just this ethereal place where we, floating around and just kind of floating like clouds it's a place where there's actions and there's events and there's people and 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 each of us still has our identity and we still know each other and we have names right it's it's a life it's a life just like this life there's certainly a lot of differences for sure and the biggest difference being that we are in the presence of god in fullness and that we ourselves are no longer corrupt but that doesn't mean that we don't have will and it doesn't mean that we don't choose and that we have lost our identities or who we are or that our future is simply just floating around in clouds, right? That is, not, that is not heaven. What is the details of that? I can't say. I don't know. But it's clear that, that, that God did not create us simply to be automatons. He created us with a free will, with understanding, with consciousness, with, you know, and that will continue. That will continue in a different form there, but it will be a form without pain or suffering, It'll be a, pain, a, a place where everything is wonderful, right? But it doesn't mean that we are just kind of static and paralyzed 
not doing anything and not growing or changing. Another remarkable experience that appears will be granted uh, that appears uh, is that we will be granted the ability to meet not just family and friends who pass on, but also famous saints and others who we yearn to meet face to face. Saint Cyprian imagines the joy of this experience. So this is what Saint Cyprian says. He says, "What will be the glory, and how great the joy to be admitted to see God, and to greet Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the patriarchs and the prophets and apostles and martyrs, to rejoice with the righteous and the friends of God, and the kingdom of heaven with the pleasure of immortality given to us." The idea that we will have interaction with people. It's not only going to be just a relationship between us and God, although that's the primary one, but we will still be the body of Christ. We are still members of the body. We are still part of the whole. We still are individuals, and we still are going to meet with each other to converse with each other, right? Of course, everything that we do is sanctified, right? But, but there is interactions, and we will recognize even one another, right? And recognize the famous saints and those people who we read about in the scriptures, um, we will know. According to the following experiences by Mother Irini, it is suggested that there are other activities that the righteous will plausibly be exposed to, which are the following. Praying for others, being aware of what is happening to those on earth, and maybe even visiting places on earth that were never visited during life. Mother Irini, she relates the following story. Mother Martha passed away in 1982. One night, I dreamt that she had come to me. So I asked her, are you there? I miss you very much. And she said, I have come to you because I felt that you wanted to see me. I switched on the light and sat in my bed only to see her before me in my cell. She was dressed in white and looked so young, as if she were in her thirties. We both made the sign of the cross and spoke for two hours. I told her, tell me about heaven. How do you spend your time? I wanted to know details about heaven. You all say that you praise and pray. I want to know everything. She said, we spend all our time praising and singing hymns, and we pay visits to the saints. Sometimes we go to the Mother of God, another time to the martyr Saint Damiana, and we also serve. I asked her, do you serve in heaven? Is there service? She said, yes. For example, I have come to you now, and I will sit with you, and you will benefit from my visit. This is a form of service. And when you ask any martyr to pray for you, the martyr does so and says to God, so-and-so asked me to pray for him, uh, I, uh, for him or her, for that particular thing. God will then tell him to go and do this and that. This is service. I asked her, Mother Martha, do you feel for us? Do you know what is happening to us? She said, we know all news related to you, especially if someone is going to depart from the earth. They tell us in heaven, so-and-so is coming, so we know ahead of time. I said, so you know everything? She said, on earth as it is in heaven. As we mentioned before, that there is no separation between earth and heaven. And while we tend to think in terms of, you know, if I'm speaking and I don't see the person that I'm speaking to, that they don't hear me, that they don't know my situation. But here this story illustrates that it's very clear that those people who are in heaven, whom God has allowed to hear are the prayers and the requests, supplications of those who are on earth here, and that part of the service that they do is to actually intercede, right? That they hear when, when someone is speaking to them. And if they ask that they would pray to them before God, they actually, they do so. This is part of their role. This is part of their function that they do in heaven. On another occasion, Mother Irini met with another departed nun, Mother Aziza. And this is what this how she retells the story. She said, I saw myself walking in a desert and saw the door of an ancient monastery. I went in and found the door of a church that had icons. 
The church reflected amazing and great spirituality. It was full of monks, and they were there, f- uh, and there were uh, three uh, or four nuns. One of them was Mother Aziza. She looked much younger than her age when she passed away. At the end of the liturgy, I had communion and was greatly consoled. Amazingly, there were foreign monks among whom those who were attending the liturgy. It was God's gift that everyone heard the liturgy in their own language. At the end, all the monks and nuns were gone, and Mother Aziza came toward me. I asked her, where, where is this place? Is it on earth or in heaven? She said, this is a monastery for monks. It is on earth, but not in Egypt. Some of these monks are still on earth, and some from heaven. All the nuns are from heaven, and they all had great purity when they were on earth. I asked her, then what brought them from heaven to earth? She replied, when we depart to heaven, they take us to visit all places there. We visit the mother of God and witness her glory. We also visit St. Damiana and all our fathers and mothers, the martyrs and the saints. I have just finished visiting all places in heaven. Afterwards, they show us every holy place that we have not seen on earth. I told her, now I can understand what the elderly nuns meant when they used to say, whatever we miss seeing while we are on earth, we will see when we are in heaven. This experience she is describing is what is referred to as the suwah. Suwah are anchorites, are those people whom God gives the gift to be able to um, essentially transport themselves from place to place. And one of the things that they do is they, they hold liturgies uh, on, in places on earth, in churches. And this has been recorded. There are churches um, that are known that when they come in the morning, let's say, to pray liturgy, they find that there's already water on the altar. Um, the water that is put on the altar at the end of a liturgy, it's as though someone came and had already prayed a liturgy there in that church from before. And one of the monks actually in, in, uh, in the monastery had, a, had relayed to me a story similar to this that happened to them. Um, so, so the idea here that she's describing is that there are those saints who are in heaven and also holy people that are on earth that go to these places. And she said here this was place was not in Egypt. God take them somewhere to some place and they have a liturgy and she says all the liturgies understood and whatever you know by the languages of all of the people that are present and she actually took communion there um, and she's relaying what she is doing in heaven visiting the saints um, and so on okay this is a good stopping point because we're about to start another topic does anyone have any comments yes That's right. That's why when they see the water on the altar, they use a different church. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully. Well, if it happens, I'll tell you. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why last week the Wednesday liturgy was canceled because that's what happened. <laughs> Any other comments? Okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for this day, and for the blessings, O Lord, of seeing heaven, and to understanding and getting insight from those people who have learned about it, who have spoken about it, who have experienced it. 
We ask, O oh Lord, that you place within us a desire to be there with you, and that even though our minds are limited to fully understand what it would be like to stand before your glory and to be there in that place, or how we will interact with one another, or understand one another, or how we will spend our time, but we know, O oh Lord, that it is a glorious place, a place that is full of your love and joy. We ask, O oh God, that you grant us even a glimpse of this joy that we would experience in heaven here on earth to motivate us and to help us to continue to strive and to, to grow and to struggle in holiness so that we would draw closer to you and experience you more and more. Thank you for providing us, O oh Lord, the church and the sacraments and, and everything you have given us to support our life of salvation. Help us to make use of these gifts so that on that day when we will stand before you and you will tell us to come in, O oh Lord, and to be with you and to spend eternity with you. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, the communion of the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace, the peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.